Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast channel for Impact Student Ministries, which is based out of Eubank Baptist Church in Eubank, Kentucky. We are all about discovering who Jesus is, discovering His purpose for us, and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place where you can catch up on past conversations from our Wednesday night worship experiences. To stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram at EubankBCYouth, all one word, and on Facebook at Impact Student Ministries-EubankBC. Thank you for being part of the conversation, and let's keep discovering who Jesus is together. Take a few minutes, um, pass out Bibles that we have in the back uh, to our friends that we have here in the room, and the reason that we do this every single week, and the reason that we uh, try to have the best Bibles that we can, because in Psalms 119, it tells us to store up God's Word in our heart. Well, we can't store up God's Word in our heart if we don't have a Bible to, to do that from, so we want to make sure that every single one of you guys have a Bible in your hand, because um, honest, honestly, uh, whatever I can say, not that important. Um, whatever I can come up with, not that impressive, but everything that God says is so important. Everything that God um, has established and declared is way more impressive than what you and I could do. So we want to make sure that you have a Bible in your hand. And once you get a Bible, uh, make your way to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to spend our time tonight together in 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to specifically look at verses 8, uh, 8 through 10. So in First Peter chapter five, uh, verses eight and ten. If you're if you're using one of our Bibles here uh, to help you out, that's on page one thousand two hundred and twenty-four. So if you're using one of our Bibles here, that is on page one thousand two hundred and twenty-four. And as they are uh, finishing out passing out Bibles, as you're making your way to First Peter five, so let me tell you how excited we are that you guys are here. We know. Um, that whether you are a student, whether you are a college leader, whether you are um, an adult volunteer, that, that no matter who you are, we are so thankful that you're here. And we know that you are trusting us by giving us some of your time. Most of you are, are here by choice. Most of you are, are choosing to be here. And so we are grateful for that. And we want to honor the time that you are giving us. So if you, if you saw our social media on, on Monday, you know that we are uh, tonight wrapping up the, the last conversation of the series that we've been in uh, for the past several months. In fact, we started this series back in August. Can you believe that? Back in August, we started this series, and now we are, we are to the point where we're finishing it up. And during this series, we have spent time and conversation establishing who we are as a student ministry, and, and almost to uh, casting that vision for us as, as we move forward, as, as we begin to grow, or as we continue to grow, as we continue to have new, uh, new people, new faces, we want to be clear on who we are and what we're about. So we spent this series just really establishing who we are, establishing what we want to be about uh, when we live our, our life. And listen, if you've missed any of the conversation, because I get it, sometimes things happen, right? You get sick, you have practice. You don't want to be here, so you don't show up. If you've missed any of these conversations, I would encourage you to go back to our podcast channel and listen to those conversations, okay? We have it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So if you missed any conversations, listen, go back, check them out. Not because what I have to say is important, not because what I have to say is impressive, but because, what, <clears throat> because of what God has um, just done through the series. He has very clearly established everything that we are going to be about. So I want to encourage you to go back there. 
But tonight, our conversation is going to be centered on this idea of consistency. And here is why we're going to spend some time tonight talking about this, because God tells us through his word that consistency is not optional when it comes to following Jesus. That there is nowhere in the Bible that says if you choose Jesus, you can choose to be on middle ground. There's no verse in the Bible that says if you choose Jesus, you can choose to be on and off whenever you want. In fact, the Bible says that if you choose, if, if, if you choose Jesus, that every single day you die to yourself. Every single day you say, you know what, it's not about me today. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I want to do. It's, but it's all about who Jesus is. So God tells us, listen, if, if, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to have that relationship with Jesus, it, th- there is no such thing as being off or on. Either you're all in or you're not. So during the conversation tonight, what, what I want us to see and, and what I hope to communicate is that through, through, through 1 Peter chapter 5, he, he actually lays out what it looks like, what it, what it takes to consistently follow Jesus. Listen, our, our prayer tonight for every single person that's listening, every single person that's here, our prayer is that if you're here and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you do not have a real and personal relationship with Jesus, that would change. Because the reason that we exist, the reason that we are here is to tell more and more people about Jesus. That's it. That's why I do what I do, because I want to tell more and more students about who Jesus is. So that's our prayer. That if you know you've been to church, you've been to events, but you know you've never had that defining moment where you say, you know what, God, you are my everything, that tonight would be the night that you do that. So before we begin to unpack our takeaways for the night, before we, before we unpack our considerations, I want to take some time and read through all of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, all together, and then we'll go back and we will unpack uh, what is being said in these verses. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the, that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Verse 10, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be, all, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So now, now, now that we've read through all this together, let's, let's begin unpacking the first takeaway from tonight. The first thing that the, 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 the first thing it takes to follow Jesus, the first thing is this. Be alert and sober-minded. Listen, my, my, my goal tonight is to let God's Word speak for itself, um, because honestly, He doesn't need me. He doesn't need anybody else, because He has the power to speak on His own. So I want God's Word to speak for itself tonight. So the first thing is that be alert and sober-minded. Go back with me to verse 8 for a moment. It says, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So a guy named Peter uh, is writing to a group of, of Jesus' followers who are facing some pretty difficult situations. They're going through some trials, some struggles, some experiences that are difficult. 
And he, he, he tells them to stand firm during their struggles by finding strength in one place. Now, he doesn't say, uh, go find strength in yourself. doesn't say, go find strength in your friends. Go find strength in your abilities. Go find strength in uh, what culture says. He says, go and find strength in the grace and strength of God that comes through Jesus. In other words, he says, listen, if you want to stand firm, look outside of yourself. If you want to stand firm, look at someone who is greater than you, stronger than you, can do more than you, and then you'll be able to stand firm in your trials. And as, as Peter begins uh, writing in verse 8, we see him tell his readers to be alert and sober-minded. Now, usually when I read the scripture, I, I, I go to the ESV a lot, and you know, listen, there, there is no right or wrong translation. If you're in the Bible, that's all that matters, okay? Um, but in the ESV, when you read through this verse, you'll see the words, be watchful. So whether you choose to embrace, be alert, or be watchful, they both mean the exact same thing. As a Jesus follower, we have to pay attention to the things and people around us. Because listen, the people and things around you will influence you. So if they are bad influences, guess what? You are going to be badly influenced. If they're good influences, then guess what? You're going to be influenced in a good way. And and what the cool thing is, is that after uh, the first of the year, uh, we're going to begin a new series and we're going to walk through the book of Nehemiah. And, and, and And what I love about that is that if you if you read the context of the book of Nehemiah, you would see that, that his heart was stirred because the wall that, that, that physically represented their separation, it was gone. And all of a sudden, the people started to look like everyone else around them. And so Peter's telling us here in, in, in chapter 5, listen, be alert. Watch the things and the people around you. In the Bibles that we uh, have here in our student space, you, you see Peter telling us to have a sober mind. So, so why is Peter telling us to be alert and sober-minded. You see, he, he wanted us to know something. And it's this right here. There is an enemy out there who wants to destroy you. This enemy cares nothing about you. This enemy offers empty promises. This enemy wants to see you destroyed. That, that, that's his only mission. That's his only goal. That's his only passion is for you to be destroyed. And Peter compares the enemy, who is Satan, to a roaring lion waiting to devour someone. Listen, if, 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 if a lion walked in this room, most of us would start running in that direction, right? Most of us are not going to say, oh, that's a, such a cute little lion. Come here. No one's going to do that, right? If you see a lion, you're running. And your only goal, don't be the slowest person, Right? Because now being the fastest person, just don't be the slowest person. Because if, if, you're, if you're the slowest one, sorry, you're getting eaten, okay? So all of us would run if we saw a lion come in ready to attack. So, so Peter says, listen, the enemy is just like a lion who is waiting for someone to destroy. When Peter was inspired to, to write to his readers then, and even us now, something he, he wanted us to understand something. The moment that a Jesus follower becomes distracted and unfocused is the moment that the enemy will attack you. 
Listen, the second you stop trying, the second you stop caring, the second that you stop focusing on what's around you, the, the, the second you stop putting in effort, that is the moment, that is the, the nanosecond that the enemy will pounce and destroy you. So Peter said, listen, be watchful because truthfully, and, and I know my adults can, can attest to this, all the enemy needs is one moment. All he needs is one moment, one second, and he can do a lot of damage, a lot of destruction. So, so let me bring this into the context of where we are in 2023 by asking you a very simple set of questions. Are there things in your life that are distracting you? Are there things in your life that make you an easy target for the enemy? Because listen, it's really up to you how much of a target you are for the enemy. Because yes, there's this thing called sin that we can't help, we can't, we can't fix, but God has given us this thing called free will, this thing called free choice. So you can choose whether or not to arm yourself with the full body armor of God. You can choose whether or not to prepare yourself when you go toe-to-toe with the enemy. So are you a walking target for the enemy? Are you someone that the devil can just move his pinky finger and all of a sudden you are just, he's got you? You see, in, in the culture of 2023, it can be very easy to be distracted from the things that matter. If you're listening and, and you have that real and personal relationship with Jesus, listen, then the right thing for you is getting as many people as possible to Jesus. If you have that relationship, if, if you know what it's like to be changed and saved and transformed by Jesus, then you should have a desire to bring others to that. But if you're listening and you know, you know that you do not have that real and personal relationship, listen, then the right thing for you tonight is to change that. The right thing for you in these next couple of days or weeks or months is to change that. Because listen, the best thing that you can ever do for you is choose Jesus. The best thing you can do for your family now or your family in the future is choose Jesus. We get distracted when we believe that the experience culture has to offer is what leads to the best version of life for us. I'm just going to assume that all of us have believed that lie, that that the grass is greener on the other side. We've all believed that lie that if we just do what we want to do, then things will be better. Then things will be, then, then we will have that life that we think that we deserve and we should have. But can I be real with you for a second? The, the best version of life that was created for us and meant for us happened back in Genesis when God created the Garden of Eden, which, in fact, was a place that had everything that Adam and Eve ever could have wanted or needed. But everything changed when Adam and Eve decided and believed that there was something better for them outside of what God provided for them. Because that's, the, that's, what, what, that's, that's what the serpent said, right? Ah, oh, you're not going to die. God, God is not going to kill you. He, he, he knows that, that you're not going to die. He just, he's, he's scared of you knowing more than he does. He's scared of you knowing everything. So it's okay to eat the fruit. It's, it's okay. It's okay to watch that thing one more time. It's okay to listen to that thing. It's, it's okay to do that one thing that you know is not wrong just one more time. It's okay. It's okay to make sure that you get ahead 
while everyone else, it's, it's okay that your pleasures, that your wants get fulfilled no matter what. It's okay. That's what, that's what the enemy says. Because what, when you get what you want, it's better on the other side, right? But again, the enemy does not care about you. The enemy wants you to be destroyed. He wants you actually to suffer and then eventually be destroyed. So God had it all planned out before we stepped into the picture. So if we're going to be consistent in following Jesus, we have to be alert and sober-minded. So that's the first thing it takes. Here's the second thing it takes to, to, to follow Jesus. Stand firm in the faith. Number two, stand firm in the faith. I want to go back to, to verse 9 for a moment. Verse 9 of 1 Peter 5. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that, you know that the family of believers throughout the world is, is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So as Peter continues to write, uh, we see him tell his readers to resist the enemy, to resist Satan. And as I was uh, working through this text this week, I, I found myself being curious as to why, why would Peter kind of add this one-liner at the end about the enemy? Like he's, he's talked about the enemy in verse 9, so why would he add this, this, this one-liner about the enemy here at the beginning of verse, of verse 9? And, here, and here, here's what my thoughts were led to. The enemy, who is Satan, is always working for our attention. The enemy never takes a day off. He never stops trying to get your attention, get your focus, get your mind, get your heart. He never stops. And I, I, I personally believe, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I personally believe that, that just like God is always working and moving, Satan is doing just as much work. He's putting in just as much work, not for your benefit, not for your growth, but for your destruction. But here is the difference, though. Satan will always be moving and working, trying to win a losing battle. Listen, the second that you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the enemy, Satan, will never win again. Yeah, he can try to mess with you. He can try to, try to corrupt your mind, your emotions, your heart. But ultimately, you will, he, he will never know what it's like to be victorious. You see, John 16, 33 tells us that Jesus has overcome the world. This means that God has the final word and has the ultimate power over everyone and everything. And that includes the enemy. If, if, if I'm sure most of you all know the story of Job, right? He was a righteous man. Did you know that before Satan started to take things away from Job, he had, he had to ask God for permission he had to ask God, God, can I mess with Job? I know he's a righteous man, but, I, I, but, but listen, God, he, he's only righteous to you because he's never suffered. So, so can I have permission to go and completely wreck his life? And if you know the story, he lost everything. Lost, I mean, everything. But yet he never lost his faith in God. Despite the voices, despite the thoughts, despite the emotions, he never lost his faith in God because God has the final say. So when you and I begin to resist Satan, when we begin to, to say that it's not about me, but it's all about God, we need something to stand on as we go back and forth against the enemy. Because listen, the enemy, 
does not like to lose. He's a sore loser. And Peter gives us the most stable and protective thing that, that is, and, and, and that is faith that comes through having a relationship with Jesus. See, when Peter is writing these words, he wants us to realize something. The best chance that we have in resisting the enemy is by standing fully in faith. I'm going to say it a little bit differently. We have to be all in for God to experience all the strength that we need to go against Satan. You need to be all in for God. He doesn't want people who are halfway in, halfway out. He doesn't want people who are going to be hot one day, cold. No, he wants people who are all in. Because listen, Jesus was all in for you. He saw you. He knew your life. He knew your mistakes, your failures. He knew your mess-ups, your hang-ups. He knew your struggles. But yet, he still went to the cross for you because he loves you. So if he's willing to go all in for us, it shouldn't be that hard to go all in for him, honestly. And if we were to all be honest, we, we, we would be able to admit that we don't have what it takes to defeat Satan. That's why, there's, that's why there's this thing called secret sin. It's those things that no one knows about, but you know about. There, there are these things that you mess up on daily that no one knows, but you know about. It's those things that no matter how hard you try to break it, change it, or forget about it, can't do it. So we know that there is not enough strength in our own person to, to resist and to defeat the enemy. And that's the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel, the heartbeat of the gospel, says that we aren't enough and that Jesus is enough. That's why we have verses like 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's why we have verses like Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So there's a reason why Jesus says, hey, give me your stuff. <laughs> give me your anxieties. Give me your worries. Give me your depression. Give me your anxiety. Give me your struggles. Give me what you can't do by yourself and watch me work with it. Because he can handle it. So again, let me bring this into where we are in 2023. In the second part of verse 9, Peter gives us an encouragement that all of us need to hear at different points in, in our walk with Jesus. Someone who has a real and personal relationship with Jesus will never be alone. So the second, the second that someone decides to begin walking with Jesus, they receive, one, the Holy Spirit to, to live inside of them, but then they also receive spiritual brothers and sisters to walk with them as they go through life. So no matter what you feel, what you think, what you experience, what you tell yourself, or what people tell you, you will never be alone when you have a real and personal relationship with Jesus. See, Peter's reminding his, his readers that we have people around us, fellow Christians, who are going through the exact same thing that we are. And something hit me like a ton of bricks this week when I was, looking, when I was working on this, but, but here's, here's what hit me like square dead in the face. A God-centered community strengthens us as we lean in towards Jesus during moments of struggle. So there's a reason why you should be involved in community. There's a reason why you should not be doing this thing by yourself. Because if you're by yourself, there will be days where you can't go on by yourself. 
There will be days where you can't survive the day. There will be moments where you can't put one foot in front of the other, but you need someone to help you, someone to call on, someone to, to text or call or email or whatever. And so a community helps us so we can resist Satan and stand firm in the faith because we aren't alone in that. We're not the only ones fighting. But here's the third and final thing, uh, the, the third and final thing it takes to have or to, to follow Jesus Number three, embrace the suffering. Embrace the suffering. Go back with me one more time to verse 10. I'm almost done. Go back with me one more time to verse 10. And the the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So there's a good chance that when I said that third and, and final point, that most of you thought to yourself or said out loud, why in the world would I embrace the struggles I experience? Why would I even say it's okay that I go through that? Because the last thing that we want to do is experience the loss of a loved one. The last thing that we want to do is experience pain or hurt from current or past relationships. The last thing that we want to do is, 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 is experience the, the end of relationships, experience being talked about, looked at differently, or even not getting the opportunities that we've been praying for and expecting, right? We, we don't want to go through waiting on God to do something, right? We don't, we don't want to go through the waiting that we have to go through sometimes. So why in the world would, would Peter tell us to embrace the suffering, embrace the struggle sometimes? Because we'll do anything and everything to avoid, the, to avoid and escape the experience of struggle. And in, in this closing uh, verses of this chapter, we see Peter telling us why we should embrace the struggles or sufferings that we experience in this life. Peter tells us that God will personally, right, will himself, will personally restore us, strengthen us, and as the ESV says, establish us after we experience some struggle and suffering. So what does this mean for us? It means that God is not only there at the end of the suffering and struggle, but during the suffering and struggle too. So God's not just waiting for you to get through it. He's not just waiting for you to get, to get over it. He is, he is with you in it. He, he doesn't just stand off to the side and just Wait for you to figure out. He doesn't just stand on the side and say, well, you got this, guys. You're, you're good. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he gets into the mud with you. He gets into the pit with you. He, he gets messy with you. Because let's be honest, we all have messy lives, right? We all have just messy things. So God says, listen, I'm not, I'm not just going to stand out to the back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in there with you and walk through it with you. And we see this affirmed in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. <clears throat> should be on the screen for me, Hayden. 1 Corinthians 10, 10 13. Not on there? There it is. So no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out. And I'm, and I'm paraphrasing that last little part there. 
So in this verse, Paul is telling us a few things that we need to understand when it comes to temptation. One, he tells us that the different temptations that we experience as, as, is, is, is a part of all of our journeys. You are not exempt to being tempted. You are not exempt to, being, to having a struggle. Secondly, he says, he says that God is for us. He is constantly helping us by working in our struggles to keep us from getting to the point of total breakdown. And then lastly, God is faithful even in the midst of temptation and struggle. This means that, we will, that he will provide a way out and a way to say no. So when we embrace the suffering and, and the struggles that we experience, we give God the opportunity to show his power and provision. Hey, Becca, come here for a minute. So I was, I was thinking about this today, and I'm going to use Becca here as 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 a illustration. So now, if 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 I want to give Becca a hug, okay, you stand up there. If I want to give Becca a hug, can I do it from right here? No, right? What about right here? No, okay. What about right here? No. So to give her a hug, I have to be right here with her, right? So if we aren't willing to let God work with our, if, if, if we're not willing to embrace our struggles, embrace our hangups, then how can we expect God to work with them? Because if we're over here, if we're, if, 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 if we're hiding from our hangups, if we're pushing them away, if we're ignoring them, if we're just trying to get away from them, how in the world, if God has the power to work and move and restore our hangups and our struggles and our experiences, how can he do it from right from way over here? He can't, can he? God has to be up close and personal. Okay? Thank you. So that, so that is why Peter tells us, listen, embrace the struggle and, and, and embrace the sufferings. And I, know I'm, I know I'm cutting close, but I'm, I'm, I'm keep going. So let me ask you probably the most important question of the entire night. Do you have a real and personal relationship with Jesus? And I don't mean, do you know the facts about him that you can share a thing or two in a group setting? I don't mean, do you know enough about him, of, of his life, that you can carry a conversation? No, what I mean that, that when I ask it, do you, do you have a real and personal relationship with Jesus? What I mean is, do you, do, you, do you have or have you had that defining moment when you ask him into your heart to live as your Savior and your Lord? Because listen, the Bible says if you want to be saved, you have to call on the name of who? Jesus, right? If you want to be saved, you have to call on the name of the Lord. So have you had that moment where you, where you could say, you know, back when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, back when I was 15, have you had that moment where you said, God, you are my Lord, you are my Savior? Have you had that moment where you, where you have placed your life, your faith, and trust in Jesus and said, God, I am all in for you. I am all into whatever you want to do. I'm all into whatever you want to move in me through me and around me. If you're listening to this conversation and you haven't had that defining moment, then this is your time to do that. Here in a moment, we're going to have a, just a very, very brief uh, moment of personal response, and I'll give you more instruction here in a few minutes. But if you're here and you know, listen, I, I, let's, let's not play games. Let's, let's, let's push past that. If, you, if you're here 
and you've been in church for your entire life, or you've been coming to church on the church van for a while, but you know you've never made that decision to follow him, listen, can I tell you, quit playing games and get right with Jesus, okay? Because it's, it's not about uh, the pizza, not about basketball, not about the cool lights, not about the sound, not, it's not about anything else, about, or, or it's not about anything unless you know Jesus. And to know Jesus, you have to start by accepting and responding to God's gospel. And here's what God's gospel says. It says that I am someone who is separated from God because of my sins and failed attempts to follow God's word completely. I am someone who desperately needs a savior because there is nothing that I can do to save myself. Essentially, I am not enough. No lie. I'm not enough. But here's what the gospel says about, about who Jesus is. He is the living son of God who came to this planet and lived a perfect life from the beginning to the end. He died on a cross in my place and walked out of the grave three days later. I believe that Jesus is the Savior that I desperately need. So if you want to know who Jesus is, you have to accept what the gospel says about you, that you're not enough, and accept what it says about Jesus, that he is enough. He is everything. He is enough through and through. So if you know that you need to begin that real and personal relationship with Jesus, then when we spread out here in a moment, that's going to be your time to invite him in, ask him to be your Lord and Savior, ask him to be with every part of your life. In your own words, tell God that you believe with everything in you that you aren't enough and that Jesus is enough. But let me ask a question, because see, if you're here and you know Jesus, you're not off the hook. Let me ask you a question if you're here and you know Jesus. If you have a real and personal relationship with Jesus, are you constantly showing up? Are you constantly showing up for him? Maybe for you, showing up in your relationship with Jesus has been difficult here lately. You, you feel as if God isn't moving enough or answering enough, so you have decided, you know what, until he shows up, I'm done. Until he shows up, I'm not showing up. Maybe that's you. You've been letting other things or other people take priority over spending time with God through reading the Bible, praying, or even worshiping on your own. Can I, can I say something that maybe someone needs to hear tonight? Silence is not evidence that God isn't moving. Silence is evidence that God is preparing. Listen, prior to the birth of Jesus, they waited 400 years for the Savior to come. So in those 400 years of silence, of praying day in and day out, hearing nothing, seeing nothing, God was preparing for the arrival of Jesus. So when we spread out here in a moment, maybe for you, if you're here and you know Jesus, maybe for you, you need to spend a few moments not asking God, why aren't you doing something, but maybe asking God, what are you preparing what are you preparing around me and in me? If you want to pray with somebody, whether it be a first-time decision or you know something needs to change, listen, come find me, an adult, some friends, whatever. But listen, don't, don't leave this moment. I know we're past seven. Who cares? Don't leave this moment the same way you came in. Don't leave this moment the exact same way you came in. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll give us some instruction on what to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And right now, I pray. I know I've been a little long-winded tonight, God, but I pray right now, God, that if there is anyone 
but doesn't know you. They know, they know, they know, they know, they know that they need to have that, that start with you. They need to commit to you, God, that right now, as we spread out, God, that you would allow that to be a thing, God, that you would allow that conversation to happen. God, I also pray for the ones who are here. They put their faith in you. They put their trust in you, God, but they know they haven't been showing up well. They haven't been as consistent. They haven't been showing up well for you. They've been slacking off. They have, they've been ignoring you or ignoring time for you and with you, God. If, if that's someone in this room, God, I pray that you convict them. <laughs> convict them to where all they can do is come to you and ask for forgiveness and ask you to change things for them. God, I pray that this personal time of response, God, that you would move into every single heart that is here right now. Father, we, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.